This is the Book Marketing Action Podcast, and I'm Becky Robinson. Since 2012, my team and I have partnered with more than 100 authors to launch more than 130 business books. On this podcast, I'll share the best insights and actionable ideas from our work so that you can implement sustainable activities to reach your goals for your book. Whether you're a seasoned author looking to breathe new life into your book or someone who dreams of writing a book someday, this podcast will help you be more successful in getting results as an author. Hello, everyone. This is Becky Robinson, and I'm so happy to be with you for another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast, where we give you actionable help to get more traction for your book and spread your messages in the world. And today, I'm so happy to be talking with Alain Hunkins, who has a new book that recently launched back in March. And so it's been out about six months, and I wanted to reconnect with you so that we could hear about how it's going, what you learned, and I know that our listeners are going to learn a lot from you today. So let's start with you introducing yourself and telling our listeners about your work, about your book, and about what you're up to in the world. Great. Thanks so much, Becky. Hey, my name is Alain. Yeah, it's a French name. My mom is from Brussels, Belgium. She gave me one of the most common French names on the planet, which is great if you live in a French-speaking country. A little harder when you grow up in New York City, so it is Alain. And my work is in the domain of leadership. I've been working as a leadership consultant, trainer, speaker, and coach for about 25 years. And I recently published with Wiley my first book, which is Cracking the Leadership Code, The Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders. And like probably many of you, I was super excited to kind of put this all together and also a bit overwhelmed because I really didn't know what I didn't know. And I knew there was a lot of different moving parts to the process. So I'm happy to say that six months after launch, I'm still alive and the book has come out doing well. And I've learned a ton throughout the process. I'm really excited to share that with you. Well, I think one thing that's interesting, we have had a few authors on the podcast, but you may be the first first-time author that we've had on the podcast. So being a first-time author, you definitely bring a unique perspective that will be especially interesting to those who are listening, who are preparing to launch their first book. So let's dive in. Tell us more about what you learned from the process of launching your book. Wow, certainly. And I want to start with kind of the mindset because I knew the book was launching in March back in probably September or October. And I noticed I felt this incredible internal pressure of like launch days coming launch. I was like only so many days to launch. And somehow I was mentally and physically counting down the days. And I was putting a lot of pressure that I somehow had to do all this stuff before launch day. And I had some great mentors along the way. And I think I even heard this from you, Becky, which was just launch day is a day. And one of them said, unless your last name is Kardashian or <laughs> you're JK Rowling, it's like people aren't going to be lining up around the block to get this on day one. Now, are there things you can do to make a ripple and a splash? Sure. But don't put all this pressure on yourself because ultimately it isn't about selling hundreds of thousands of copies of the book on the first day is you're really in this for the long term. And think of this much more as a marathon than as a sprint. And I got to say that really took a lot of the pressure, the mental pressure off. That being said, I think the other big thing that I learned is that there are so many things you can do and that can get overwhelming as well. So I think it's figuring out what is your sweet spot? What's your strength that you want to spend your time focusing on? So I knew that for me, for example, I knew that I get up in front of groups all the time. So speaking about my work is a strength. So I thought 
I'm going to have a podcast strategy because I want to get on podcasts. I know I'll be dynamic. That'll be a way to get things going. So I created the podcast strategy piece around this. I also have a pretty big network just from my professional and personal life over the last two decades. So I thought, how can I tap into the network and do it in a way that didn't feel laborious and painful? It's like, what can I do to share things with people over time? Something else I realized, and I had some mentors earlier on who had said, start growing your email list. So I started doing that a few years ago. So when it came time to book launch, it wasn't like, okay, I have an email list and my mom is on there and that's (laughs) all. Right. So we actually, so I was able to go back to the email list group and say, Hey, this is coming and getting other people involved. So really it was looking at what were those things that I wanted to focus on and then really digging deep into them because there was plenty more to do than there were hours in the day to do it. We can go into detail on some of those things if you like. Sure. So just to do a quick recap, you had three areas that you focused on most. One was mobilizing your network. Another was this podcast strategy, which I'm really interested to hear more about. And the third was leveraging your email list, which you started to grow a few years before you needed it. Is that right? You named that was great. You're a great coach. That was a good recap there. Sure. So let's dig in a little deeper on this idea of the podcast strategy. And I want to make sure that we reference, you and I talked before we started recording, and you mentioned that initially you had a strategy around events and speaking and COVID obviously threw a wrench in those plans. So the podcast strategy was your way of pivoting to still use your strengths and gifts in the world in a powerful way. So tell me more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. The book launch date was March 24th, which for a lot of people in North America was right around the time things all shut down. So any kind of live events getting in touch with speakers bureaus and speaking at larger organizations, associations was gone. So like, okay, what can I do? Well, I can get on a microphone through my laptop and do podcasts. But even before that, I had started down that road. So the first thing in terms of the podcasting strategy, the first thing I knew is I needed to have quality content to put out there. So I'm really proud of the book. It was edited back and forth with me and a ton of people. So it got great endorsements. So the first thing is you've got to have great quality content. Otherwise, it's going to be hard to pitch it. At a certain point, Good marketing can't cover up bad content. At a certain point, it's going to happen. So the first thing is having good content that you're proud of. Then the next thing was just doing a lot of querying. I probably spent, I remember a weekend where I just sat down and I Googled leadership podcasts and I spent time looking at researching every single one that I thought was interesting and seeing if I was a fit for this. I think the strategy that doesn't work well is if you buy a list and like, here's a thousand podcasts and just write copy paste, they call it spray and pray, right? Just like spray them all with an email, the same one, don't change it and hope people come back. I think that is a big time recipe for failure. I mean, so what I ended up doing was looking at the ones that I was interested in. And then when it came time to querying the hosts, most of whom I didn't know at all, was looking for some common connection. So for example, I looked at hosts and I looked at their previous guests. And if any of the previous guests were people that endorsed my book, I used that as an in terms of the subject line. Also, I looked at, usually they say what their podcast is about. So I try to frame my queries from, hey, I know your mission to help your audience is about this. My work is very much about that. So I made it about them and what they're trying to do in the world as opposed to, and a lot of podcast hosts have told me this, that they get a lot of query letters. They're like, hi, I've got this great book and you should have me on your podcast. Again, big time recipe for failure. So what I found was I got a really great response rate. I mean, just where I'm tracking now, I mean, through October of this year, starting in February, I will have done about 120 podcast interviews. So wow, yes, it's diligent. So part of that also 
is following up. I'd love to say that all these hosts got back to me on the first email. They don't. So it's having some kind of CRM system, whether that's a piece of paper and a pen or Salesforce or something in between, you've got to follow up because people aren't going to get back to you and being respectful with your follow-ups and just trying to help to understand you're busy and hopefully this can be of value. What's nice about having that forward momentum is then you're not waiting for the proverbial phone to ring, is that you're actually moving things forward and if something hits, great. And if not, just keep moving forward with whatever else is next. So that was a big piece of the podcast strategy. So I'm sitting here a bit amazed that you took this work all on your own. So it sounds like you researched the hosts and the podcast that you wanted to be on yourself. You created the list, you sent out the queries, you personalized them, you did the follow-up. So that sounds like it took a great deal of time. So tell me, how did you decide that you were going to do that yourself rather than partnering with an agency, for example? Well, I think a part of it had to do with the fact that this all coincided around the time that March, and frankly, to be totally honest, most of my work, 99% of my work was face-to-face. I was basically unemployed at the time. So these first few months, I used to joke with my family and say, you know, for someone who's unemployed, I've never worked this hard in my life because I was putting in 12-hour days working on this stuff. So it's, again, it's a question of time. So I didn't partner with an agency because I had the time and I figured this is something that I can do. And like, again, had I had my regular schedule of stuff, I probably would have subcontracted a bunch of this out to an agency or a podcast concierge service or something like that. Got it. So do you mind my asking, what type of results did you see in terms of book sales or interest in your business through being on 120 podcasts? Yeah, well, what I'm seeing is it's funny because I'd say I'm seeing particularly in the last month to month and a half, it's this flywheel. You start to push it and you're like, I'm not seeing anything coming. So I'm happy to say that in the last couple of months, what I've seen is I've started to get unsolicited podcast queries coming into me instead of me pushing out to others. So that's something I've seen. I've seen a couple of people say, hey, can you speak to my group online? And we're going to have 70 people. We're going to buy books for everybody. Can you talk to them about that? It's like, sure, we can do that. The other thing I've seen coming out of this was, oh, I heard you on a podcast. Can we talk about a leadership training program that you can create for my company? And so I'm having conversations. Again, we're all in the conversations, moving things forward. A couple of little pieces of business have closed, but other ones, a lot of opportunities are in the proverbial funnel right now, working their way down. And the way I see it is if I keep working away at the strategy, that's just going to be building the momentum to move forward. Do you have any favorite podcasts that you've been a guest on? Oh, gosh. There have been a few. There was one, the podcast, it's Brady Ware puts it out. And what I loved was instead of just like talk about your book, he's wanted to start with just a question. And the question in this podcast was, should I get to know my people on a personal level? And the entire podcast was just on that subject. So I really loved that one. Then there are some other podcasts, like for example, Jeff Brown does the Read to Lead podcast. And Jeff does his homework. I mean, he's read and marked up my book backwards and forwards and has asked some really great questions. So that was another highlight for sure. Well, what I'd like to do is get the links to those two podcasts and put those in the show notes so that our listeners can go hear those great episodes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about what worked well for you in launching your book. Yeah. So we talked about the fact that I kind of reaching out to my network. So one of the things within my network was I thought, how can I enroll people to be, I call them book ambassadors. 
And so whether it was my email list where I send out a monthly newsletter, so I had a link in my newsletter to a dedicated webpage where they could see, you want to be a book ambassador? And it had all kinds of different copy-paste templates. So they could easily grab it, grab the text, copy it, paste it, and share it. Because I knew that people will do stuff if it takes them two minutes or less. But if I ask them to sit down and write stuff. So as I was thinking through, and this is true with the podcast strategy as well, is how can you remove the friction from the system for other people? That means doing more work upfront on your own, but that just helps to pay dividends. So I found that, you know, if I could get the friction out for other people, make it really simple and fun, that was really important. And then the other key piece, and I know this is going to sound cheesy, But when people would do stuff and they'd share it and tag me in that is to go back and thank them. (laughs) I mean, it seems so obvious, but just to go back because people want to feel great that they've been seen and thanked for what and appreciated. Like we all like to be appreciated. So it's keeping the human factor. I mean, that's what I teach in my leadership courses as well. So it was important for me to model that kind of leadership with my team, which was in effect my volunteer army of ambassadors, right? Which is my network. That's where I started with that as well. About how many people did you invite to be book ambassadors? Well, if you look at the email list, it's probably about 2,000 people. And how many people raised their hands to be a part of the team? I ended up with about 50 people who said, I'll be willing to help in some ways. It's amazing. One of these folks actually read the book and came back and said, "Um, I don't know if he caught a typo. I was like, oh my God, this is after, you know, 2,500 people have edited the book. And it's like, really? Was there a typo? And I love the fact that he shared that with me. He said, for the next edition. So things like that, you know, it's just getting people on your side because people want you to succeed. People are excited. I'm amazed how many people said, you know, I've always thought about wanting to write a book. This is great. I'm so happy for you. So giving them a chance to share in the joy and bring them along on the journey, if you frame it in that way, as opposed to, you know, I need you to do this for me. And for me, it's not about trying to sell something. It's about trying to give value and share this with the world. I mean, this book, for many of us as first-time authors, this is a labor of love. And how can you get other people involved in terms of sharing that out? And frankly, I know we were talking about how many books and selling and stuff. And my strategy all along, knowing the book business, I was never planning to pay off my mortgage by book sales. For me, the book is a vehicle to be able to sell other services, which are more around speaking, training, consulting, and coaching. So for me, the book is this fabulous calling card, and it's becoming this wonderful door opener on so many levels. So what advice would you have for others who are maybe first-time authors preparing to launch their books or even people who haven't finished their proposals yet but are on their way to bringing a first book to market? Great. Well, first, I think I don't have any of these, and you must have a ton of these resources that you have, which is just, there's a ton of resources out there around how to launch a book. So I know this is a big piece of what you share, Becky, is read up. You're not inventing the wheel. Someone else has gone down this path before. And so then look at the, whether it's 18 or 20 different potential things you can do and know you don't have to do all of them, but pick the things that you think this will work for me. This is going to work for who I am and how I work. And then when you make some decisions, then you've really got to roll up your sleeves and implement. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take follow-up. It's not going to be all fun all the time. But if you can keep the big picture mission in mind of, oh my gosh, this book is out there in the world or is going to be out there in the world. I mean, I cannot tell you what joy it brings to get emails from random people from literally around the world. I got one two days ago from someone in New Delhi who 
was sharing. I didn't know who they were. They found the book. I have they take a picture of the book and they've just started in Pune in India. It's the 10 day festival of Ganesh, one of their Hindu gods and the Ganpati festival. And she said, I love your book so much. And she showed me a picture of the book on the shrine with a little Ganesh statue and just sent that to me. And it's just, wow, this is the power of the written word and the printed written word. And just thinking, this is amazing. Like if nothing else happened out of all this, this felt like it was worth it. There's things like that. I'm sure you have stories like that too. It's the sense of just keeping your eye on the prize of why you're doing this. It's really easy to lose sight of that. So have a cheerleading team. Find the people that are going to keep you going. If you can get people to work alongside with you, even better. I had some of that, but mostly a lot of it was on my own. But keep reaching out and asking for support. I think it'll help you a long way as you move forward. That is so powerful. So really one last quick question. When I meet with authors, one of the questions they ask me is, as I approach my book launch, should I set aside time during the week that the book comes out in a special way? What should I expect in terms of for the launch week itself, how much time to invest? And in this conversation, you referenced a few times the diligent work that you did implementing your book marketing strategies. So could you give any range of time of what an author might expect to set aside if they don't have that blessed experience that you have of suddenly COVID happened and you had all this time to devote to marketing the book. Any ideas on that? Yeah, exactly. It's like happy accidents of suddenly copious amounts of free time. I'd say whatever time, particularly in the week or two leading up to launch and the week of launch, if you can book out, block out some time, maybe take some vacation days or whatever. It's not a vacation, but so you create some time for yourself. I think just reaching out to your network, for example, And I wasn't planning on this, but asking people to pre-order the book, that was one of the asks in terms of pre-orders. Well, in terms of Amazon bestsellers, it doesn't take a whole lot. And suddenly my book spiked and it became the number one best-selling book in business communication. And it stayed there for about a month. So again, that's a great little feather in the cap, as it were, from the branding and the marketing. You can take screenshots and share that with people, put it in your email signature. So I would say just if you can, just take whatever time you can to use because yeah, while you're not a Kardashian and it's like, it's not the end all be all, it still is the launch. And for me, I wanted to feel like I did what I could to make it as powerful a launch as I could. So yeah, take some time if you can, because it's well worth it. Thanks so much. So as we always do, we want to wrap up the podcast today with some action steps that you can take. Alain, could you share those with us? Yeah. So in terms of action steps, number one, figure out what's your lane, what do you want to do, and then get going, get started, and really be diligent. If you're a project planner, like create a plan, like what's that going to look like? I think most, as you look at the project, it's going to be overwhelming at the beginning. So break it out over a calendar and put some reasonable, realistic chunks. I'm going to email these 20 people today, and then these 20 on Saturday when I have more time, whatever, just kind of to build a plan because that's going to help you to be more consistent over time. And then with those key contacts, as I said, follow up, follow up, follow up. It's amazing how many people just send out one thing and that's it. It's done. So that means you need to have a system for knowing when to follow up. For me, it was generally every week or two weeks. And then after six or seven or eight times, you have to decide, okay, maybe I should stop. And maybe it's not worth good use of my time. So I'd say the follow-ups and being really clear on what your goals are and picking some strategies to help you achieve those. Perfect. Thank you so much. And before we wrap up today's episode, I know that you have a very 
very creative approach to sharing the content of your book with the world and also a special offer for our listeners. So would you share that with us? Sure thing. Yeah. So I was mentioning to Becky before we got on air is that so the book is out there. The content is all around how to become a better leader. And in October, actually on October 5th, I am launching the 30-day online Cracking the Leadership Code online leadership challenge, which is only going to take you a few minutes a day. And all the information is on my website. And we'll have links to this challenge in the show notes. But I was saying to Becky, uh, one of my goals is to grow leaders. So as a part of the book marketing action podcast community had made two places available to listeners. If you're interested, you can email me at Alain, A-L-A-I-N, at alainhunkins.com and say, I'd like to be considered for one of the two places. If we have more than two, I'll do a random drawing and just reference the Book Marketing Action Podcast in your email. And we'll have links to this in the show notes as well. But uh, wanted to make those spaces available. This is the first time I'm running it this way. It's going to be a really fun community of leaders who all want to get better. And if you want more information on me and the book, you can go to www.crackingtheleadershipcode.com. By the way, that's another little tip is buy the domain name of your book if you want, because it's certainly easier to spell than my last name and first name. So that's another thing. And that will link you right to the alanhunkins.com website as well. But you can learn all about the book and download the first chapter as a preview. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll subscribe today and tell a friend about our show. If you're looking for hands-on help to market your book or have a question you'd like to hear me answer here, please email me, becky at weavinginfluence.com.